Hello and welcome to episode four of Summoner's Corner. I'm your host, Will. And I'm your other host, Josh. The lock-in tournament is over and we've got uh, three series to cover, including the finals. So let's jump right into it. So first series up, which was on the Friday, 100 Thieves versus Cloud9. This was a good series. Yeah, it went all the way to five games, which, uh, I mean, based on our predictions from last week, was pretty surprising. This is our first Silver Scrapes of the year already. It is. Okay, so uh, there were some really interesting picks during this series, too. There's a lot of adaptation, a lot of changing it around from both teams. Yeah. So looking at game one here, C9 opts to go with a hyper support comp. So they have two ADCs and then three supportive champions. Yes, they went Blabber on Kindred, Zvan on Aphelios for the two ADCs, and then they put Perks on Orianna. Obviously, Vulcan is going to be playing a sport. He was on the Thresh. And then they had top laner Fudge on Lulu. And we've actually seen Lulu get quite a bit of bans over this weekend. She's actually quite strong right now. And really, if you watched Fudge play her in this game, you wouldn't know it. Nope, not at all. Got Dove solo, 1v1, under tower. Yeah, so I, I have a note on that, actually. That was such a bad death because there's two arguments to be made here. One of them is, well, it's Gregus flash body slam cask. There's like almost zero counterplay to that. You kind of just die. Like it's it's almost impossible to respond to. But you see the Gregus drink the cask first, giving him that what damage resist buff plus the uh, auto damage like extra damage on his ex auto you see him do that so it's pretty clear that he wants to kill you under tower he was also just holding creeps behind tower like wh- when gragas is holding creeps behind tower and you're at one third hp which is literally like 250 300 at that point you know what's coming yeah so i like I I guess Fudge was thinking he could somehow miraculously respond to an almost instant death. But man, you see Gregus drinking the cask. As soon as he starts walking towards you, just press ultimate and then you It's his job. This is LCS. He's a professional. He should know. He should just heal there. It was insane. Yeah, definitely a point of frustration early on. Uh, And the main thing is too, like, Lulu is a really strong laner. She obviously outranges Gragas. She has an insane slow. Like, it slows you so much. I'm not sure the actual percentage, but I can't stand playing against Lulu because it feels like I just can't move when I'm playing against her. It's very frustrating. It's definitely very frustrating. And somehow he still loses lane. Like, you're you're playing a a bully champion, practically. I, I know that he's building her support, but early on, supports have just insane damage. And somehow he still loses to, to some days Gragas. I will say it is Gragas. We've seen high prio on him. It can survive in anything. But I, I do think there was definitely some skill disparity shown here. And we are talking about someday. Like, like this is not, you know, so, some NA farm team definitely. top laner coming in and, and putting on a show. This is a very high rated player yeah. he's playing into. I, I think someday has has come out as a top three top laner uh, in the league right now. He has been looking really good, or top four, I guess. Like the the top of the man, as we talked about in our uh, very first episode, top lane is just so competitive in North America. <laughs> a lot of really skilled players right yeah, it's now. It's just a very stacked pool. But someday is in that pool of like potentially at at, at the top. So uh, yeah, there there is the disparity there, but. I mean, Fudge was just set up for success and still lost. It's so frustrating to see. Also in this game, FBI and Misfortune was just a monster. He was 8-1-3, and three, racking up kills left and right. Part of almost every team fight. They had 15 kills overall. He participated in 11 of them. Honestly, MF overall, over the course of this entire weekend, was probably... One of the biggest, if not the biggest picks uh, in terms of victory for teams. You look at FBI in this game. You look at um, uh, Sven later on in this series. Yep. MF should have huge prio. It's safe. 
the gale force is just such a huge item for an immobile carry with no uh, escapes right now. Uh, yep. Which I really like to see. I like that being less of a drawback. I like to see more diversity, right? Like if you look at the AD champions we've seen, we've seen what Kaisa Jin, who is also somewhat immobile. I know he gets speed buffs, but yep. Gale Force is very immobile. Aphelios. We saw Vayne get pulled out, not to great effect, but you know, we're seeing a good variety. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I enjoy the, the item changes so far this season because I think it is showing us uh, a lot of champs that weren't really played in the past. Th- that was my main notes for game one. I mean, you can talk about like Vulcan really didn't do anything on Thresh at all. Uh, there, there wasn't really any plays. Perks did not look good on Oriana. Uh, I think Blabber did really well early on as far as like counter jungling and stuff goes, but he just wasn't able to have a- enough of an impact to make up for... Uh, zero two zero Vulcan one four one perks zero two one Zven and zero two three Fudge. Like he he was set up in a losing position. I, I don't think you can put a ton of blame on Blabber because again, I think he played fairly well early on. Uh, his team just inted, <laughs> which makes it really hard. Yeah, th- I think this is a case of uh, a comp that needs to play even yeah. getting behind early. And once you're behind early, it doesn't matter that you're hyper support because everyone just gets run over anyways. So moving on to game two. Uh, so game two. Another just rough game for C9. Some big things here uh, in picks and bans. Uh, Galio and Rel were both banned adaptively um, to, to stop the heavy, heavy dive. Yes, because that, that is a, a really strong combo. It plays similarly to Camille Galio. I feel like you Camille alt and then Galio alt. It's the same sort of thing where you have the rel alt that pulls everyone in and then it makes it so it's almost impossible to escape the big Galio slam. It's a really good wombo combo. Now, I wasn't really sure what C9 was doing this game. They played Seraphine uh, in their carry position bottom, which is fine, but they also played Graves top into Renekton. So I feel I have one of two theories. It was either a misclick <laughs> or C9 was just trolling. So I I, I think there's... Because let's be honest, C9 has trolled in picks and bans many times before. And especially with this tournament not actually having an impact. I could see them kind of trolling. I was going to say that. I, I think this is another case maybe of a little bit of limit testing, a little bit of trying to push as hard as you can for diversity for diversity of play style sake yeah udier looked really big in this game uh two zero at four minutes just kind of ran around inside the jungle uh, uh jumping on lanes right that, that was one of my big notes for this game blabber's udier looked really good i think this was the first game that we saw him pull that out actually i'm not sure if we saw him play udier at all in the past but he, he looked very clean on it early on i think it was kind of just another case of uh i mean perks was zero and three yeah Perks did not play well this game on the Yone at all. 100T failed to gank top, and it was kind of inexcusable. Basically, the whole gank hinged on one Nid Spear, and she just missed point blank. Yeah. And that that's something when you're at this level of play, like, one kill turns the game. You know, one, one kill changes lane pressures, CS differences, levels. It's all super relevant, so you really have to hit those. For sure. Overall, pl- Closer played fairly well despite that. He was 3-0 and 6 Yep. Uh, FBI played great on Kaisa, 4-0-3. Someday, obviously dominant on the Renekton, 1-0-8. and eight. The one pick from 100 Thieves that I really wasn't a fan of was this Rise pick, and, and I'll come back to that later, but I don't think he fits too well into this meta. One of my other things is I don't like Vulcan playing Tarek. I did, I did not like that pick at all. I don't think it looked good here, but I think we did see some uses for it in the final series if i'm not mistaken it's yeah it's not so much the champion it's more so just vulcan playing it i i wasn't not not the final series but in in a later game yeah i i wasn't uh, i wasn't huge on it and then so <laughs> my my one last note for game two is after this game cloud nine tweets congrats on making finals 100 thieves no way c9 <laughs> comes back from down two it's so funny because they do this so consistently too, right? Like they almost did it in the final. Yep. I know. So then, yeah, moving on to game three. Uh, I mean, they C9, it, it was a similar draft and yet a very 
different draft because they went with the fasting Senna. Having Sven play, play Senna, Vulcan on the Tom Kench. Sven picks up the support item very first buy, so he's not getting any CS. It's all Vulcan on the Tom Kench getting the last hits and Senna just collecting souls, which scale insanely. Yeah, the strategy for that is the less you CS, the higher likelihood of souls have to drop. So it's just a matter of trying to get your ADC to scale off of a passive rather than necessarily gold. And you're just trying to stay as even as gold with a crutch item as you can with the support item. Yeah, and and one of the big things is even with this build, you still you build it like support Senna. We saw Sven every game he played this Svenna. Uh, the, rush. the Svenna? Yeah. <laughs> is that what we're calling this now? It's, I it's like Svenna. that. Yeah. I actually like that. <laughs> we saw him every time he played it. He went for like the Umbral Glaive first. Uh, I I don't remember his exact build for this game, but I know there's a couple games that he played it where he, did, he never even built a mythic item. That's really interesting. So we, we see him still going for the support build, but it still does just insane damage because these souls give you extra attack damage for each one and then at certain milestones i can't remember the exact amount but at certain milestones you get extra crit and extra range and the big thing there is the range because aside from one auto on rapid fire it's literally impossible to buy extra range and it's it's such a valuable thing, especially when you make it to high level play like this, just being able to sit a mile away from everyone and still be uh, doing DPS. Yeah, it just makes her a super safe pick. Also, with Vulcan playing the Tom Kench, she's just got that extra bodyguard, can get her out of tough situations if she does get caught out. Especially through the lane phase, it's just really hard for this lane to die at all. Since Tom Kench is actually like getting farm and gold, he gets tanky so much faster than he normally would. And then he has the protection with the eat for for the Senna if she ever gets caught out. And then we saw Blabber pull out the Udir again. And this time he definitely put on the carry boots, went 6, 2, and 12. Yeah, this is just such a strong meta pick right now. I can definitely see it being hit with some rebalancing after this tournament i i think it's in a little too strong of a place i don't know if that's going to be through like items like like maybe they touch on chem tank or what but it really is just a, a menace right now in solo queue and in pro play and everything yeah the the one thing that i could see is p- potentially a slight nerf to his phoenix stance because that's i think what's really propelling him into being an S tier jungler right now, his clear time is just insane. He he's currently the fastest clearing jungler, which means it, it, he gets his full clear. The enemy jungler is typically starting their blue buff around that time, so that means he's out. Like he can pretty much just take a free recall there, get items, and then he's back out on the map with items, making ganks, getting scuttles. He, like with, with how fast his clear is, he's he's just always going to be the first one to objectives. He's always going to get there before the enemy jungler, and I think that's something that's making him really, really strong, especially in competitive. Other than that, this is a very low magic damage team comp from C9 as well. They have Udir in the jungle with Phoenix stance, as we said. Yes, but then they also opt for another Lulu top. And they have uh, Yone in the mid position. Perks looked okay on Yone. He went 8, 4, and 5. Fudge still manages to lose top. <laughs> I will say he wasn't quite like a melee minion this time. I'd say he maybe achieved like cannon status. So like a bit more useful. But in, at the same time worth more gold because he's a bit more useful. I don't know. He went 2, 4, and 15 though. It wasn't fantastic. But, I mean, he it was enough to propel the team to a win. Giving zoomies to Udir is really strong. Keeping everyone safe overall. I I, I have not been impressed by Fudge at all. <laughs> yeah, I think he had one or two standout games this weekend. And other than that, he really has failed to impress. Uh, especially inside the vacuum of top lane. And then game four. I I really, really like C9's draft this game vulcan on bard so this is global versus global yeah so they matched uh the who he picked up the galio support c9 got twisted fate mid for the perks 
giving uh, global pressure on both sides there. And then you also have closer on Talia, who has the semi-global, and Vulcan on Bard, who has a semi-global. Yeah, so really this is all about movement and rotations around the map. Also, set mid is really interesting to me. Yeah, I don't think Damante really played bad or anything. Uh, it just... It wasn't super impressive. He had some nice alts at times. It didn't feel just that impactful overall, though. Um, so something in this game that I've been wanting to bring up for the last couple of games, but it was really exacerbated, really made for the popping point of this game. 100 Thieves Drake Control, up until this point in the series, has been immaculate. They've always been on soul point. They've always pressured their team around that dragon. Like, they, they really do have good bottom side of the map control. Yeah, the the only time that they fell behind was in game three. Blabber on that Udyr was just a, a menace, which makes, menace, made it really yeah. hard. Now, again, in this game, they get the first three dragons, they put themselves on soul point, and they force C9 to fight them. And this is the real turning point of the game right here. Zven gets a huge MF alt, takes about a third to a half of four players' health out just immediately off of one ability. Uh, and the team fight's pretty much over from there. Like They just lose too much HP to one ability and lose the fight off of it. Yeah, I think, like, they yeah, they ended up picking up a couple kills and then Perks was able to chase using his ultimate and they got another pick there. It was... Honestly, just a really clean fight from Cloud9 uh, and and really, really smart positioning from Sven to be in a spot to just lay out that bullet time and remove most of 100 Thieves from that fight just instantly. Yeah, his positioning was fantastic uh, for, for this game and for the next one. And he gets another huge MF ult off towards the bot side inhibitor tower in 100 Thieves base. Yeah, so this one, there was an interesting interaction here that i caught that i didn't think would work blabber kind of went in with the lilia gave ev everyone on 100 thieves or not exactly everyone but there was like three or four people gave them a little bop hit them with the stick a little bit and then did the sleepy time and before it fully triggered vulcan on bard ulted like the entire enemy team and the sleep will still trigger through Bardalt. So Bardalt comes off and there's three members on 100 Thieves that are all asleep. And then Sven just opens up with the bullet time, cleaning everyone up. They died like instantly. And something else the broadcasters mentioned, I'm not sure if you caught this, but because the MF ult is classed as damage over time, it does not wake up sleeping opponents. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. That's insane. Yeah. So, so that's huge synergy right there where it's it's just you, you get basically the full chain. Yeah, that's nuts. Wow. Yeah, off of that huge ultimate, Zven got like a, a, a triple off the ultimate alone, I think. And then he managed to chase down the other two and got the full penta. And it, it that's what sealed the game for, for C9. It was a really clean fight, as we said fantastic positioning from Sven. He was insane. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was a monster. Finally, hold on. We got a pause. Big caps between games. Silver scrapes. First time. Okay, moving on to game five. Uh, there, there, there was one more thing on game four that I wanted to touch on. I, I got to keep track okay. of Fudge here. Fudge played Camille against Jax. That's a game that, that's another lane matchup that Camille should win. Again, we see him just getting bullied early losing lane uh he he had a fine game he was two two and four he had some nice flanks and stuff but man someday is just slapping him around so mo yeah moving on to game five same thing happens it, it fudge on camille someday on jacks some daddy just spanking fudge so fbi took vain this game yeah yeah, he did. Yeah. It didn't look awful. He got first blood. But yep. then he was a flashless faint. And he got dove on his tier two tower immediately after going back. Also, uh, one of the big things on 100 Thieves, Demonte, again, picking up this rise. I'm not a fan of this pick. And look at look at Cloud9's team. They have 
Vulcan on Galio, Perks on Twisted Fate, who has a click stun, Blabber on Udyr, who has a click stun, Zven on the Misfortune, Fudge on Camille. Why is Demonte not taking cleanse in these matchups? He didn't take cleanse. I don't think he took it once in this entire series. That is a good question. That's insane. I can understand doing it like one, maybe even two games where coach is like, hey, I think you should take cleanse. Demonte goes, no, it'll be fine. I won't die. Trust me. It's fine. I'll be out of range. Whatever. Whatever his excuse is. But to do it like because he played Rez three times through this series doesn't take cleanse at all. It's just so mind boggling to me when you have two click stuns that are cleansable on cloud nine. And you see perks taking it consistently. I don't understand. I don't know why it's so difficult for him to just take that summoner. And then overall, as I said, I'm just not a fan of Rise right now. He, he's a hyperscaling mid lane, and we've seen some, uh, we, like we see the Azir do really well right now. Rise really doesn't have like the team fighting power that an Azir has. If he's able to mash all of those keys, he does a lot of damage, but he's like a split push champ. So based on the overall theme of mid lane so far this season and the overall theme of team compositions, I think the main priority on Rise is his map mobility with his ultimate. I, I can see that. Yeah, I think teams are just looking at how they can create lopsided situations for themselves around the map. And I think that maybe some of these uh, mid laners aren't the best at piloting him yet. And I think that maybe, you, you know, TF is a little easier, a little longer range, point and click, you know. And, and Rise does, like you say, take a while to hit that power spike. And that could be why we see so much struggle coming out from people who pick rise right? yeah I don't, I don't know i'm i'm really not sold on this pick overall though uh maybe m- maybe some mid laners will prove me wrong come regular season but from what i've seen of it 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 hasn't looked good in my opinion this was just another shellacking though from c9 vulcan played really well on the galio 1 2 and 17 perks was great on twisted fate 6 1 13 blabber was just running around bear slapping everyone again 3 1 and 14 and then uh, Fudge actually played really well once he got out of lane, I will say. He was 4-0 and 4. He had some really nice flanks. He was really he had really good positioning in team fights. It's just, man, I need to see more out of you in lane. It's insane how much you're losing. Uh, and then Zven was the high point again. Played the misfortune, 12-1 and 8. Got another pentakill. Was just insane. Yep. Huge ults, huge ults, huge damage. Looking at C9 this game, this is what a prime C9 should look like. Yeah, for sure. They, they looked in control the entire time. They were reacting correctly. They were making proactive plays around the map. They were using their globals effectively. They had 6k gold up at 20. If C9 can get to a point where they consistently look like this, they will be top of the league. Or at least contend fiercely with TL for that spot. For sure. And it really was just a stomp. Four dragons to zero, one baron to zero, two inhibs to zero, 10 towers to one, 26 kills to to five. Like you said, they were just dominant through and through. It was a very clean, very strong game from Cloud9. If you watched this game and no other game, you would not believe it was a five game series. Yeah, just insane. Moving on to our next series, we have Team Liquid versus evil geniuses this one's a little bit quicker and yeah it was a 3-0 so first thing we have to call out for this game in particular there was a full remake due to a visual bug where spells were not showing up yeah so both coaches had the option to completely redo picks and bans both opted to go for what they had so they were both happy with their team comps going in that's what that tells me And, and i can understand that you have Ignar and the Seraphine, he's looked really good on it so far. He played really well on it this game. Olaf is obviously a really high priority pick, so I'm sure Evil Geniuses were very happy to pick that up. Uh, Nar has been a little hit and miss, but like Impact has played it pretty well, if my memory serves me correct, so they'd be happy about that. Jazuke has looked great on Syndra. So like overall, I, I understand Evil Geniuses being happy with this comp. And from the other side, I understand Liquid being happy as well. Jensen's insane on Orianna. Core JJ's looked great on Thresh. Santorin on the Udyr. We talked about how strong that champion is. Tactical on Misfortune, another champ that's just really strong right now. And Alfari on Jace. Like, it looks like really good drafts from both teams, I think. So I, I understand both of them just saying, keep draft the same. We'll, we'll run with it. But you get into the game and you're thinking maybe Evil Geniuses should have taken that redraft. <laughs> well, now EG did look good. They started off very strong. They did get first blood, 
uh, Nara roaming down, hitting Mega right in time for it. Yeah, Impact really looked clean on on Nara early on. And then this is going to be like a constant theme for this series. Evil geniuses start off really aggressive. They're able to get themselves leads consistently. Yeah. But then they just keep playing aggressive and TL is able to adapt, counter the aggression, and then create an advantage of their own. Yeah, TL is just a really smart team. And if you're constantly looking for fights, TL is going to find ways to pick you apart. You got to play a little a little more smart and tactical than that, I think. Some of my main notes, Sven Skarin did look really good on this Olaf. He went 4-3-4. and four. He tried his best to carry. It just wasn't quite enough. And I think Ignar looked really, really good on the Seraphine in this game as well. He was 0-0-8. He had some really nice alts. He had some good playmaking. But it just wasn't quite enough. Alfari, I think, played really well on the, on the Jace, despite his KDA not being like fantastic. He was 2-3-9. and nine. But overall, he got like a pretty sizable gold lead early on. And looked really good in, in fights. He was able to poke out evil geniuses really well. Core JJ is he's not human, man. This dude was insane on Thresh. He always is. Thresh was actually a really smart pick because this is something the casters were touching on. When you see those long range abilities coming out from Seraphine and from Senna, you throw the lantern and you just lantern someone who got caught out. So unless they're insta-popped, they just get out for free with a basic ability. And one thing I noticed, I can't remember if it was exactly this game or another one, because they had similar drafts for a couple of these games. There was one point where someone on Liquid kind of got caught out. Core JJ just like walked in so that he was also kind of an option. They split down mid. So like one person went left to mid lane. The other person went right into their jungle. Core just tossed Lantern to the other person. Sven Skarin was forced to chase one of them. And it's like, I either try and chase Core on Thresh, who's not really that valuable of a target to kill, or I chase this other person and they just Lantern out. And that's exactly what happened. And that's really the power of Thresh when you pick it. And that was like Olaf alt plus, uh, I think like Jizuke used his alt there as well. So like right there, it was just two alts out for Thresh Lantern. I, th- I think overall this game can be pretty summed up as just TL gets lead, chokes vision, pressures tower, pressures objectives. You, you know, it, it's very A to B to C for, for, for TL. Jensen looked really great on, on the Oriana as well. It looks like he's back in form on that champ who is seems to be a favorite of his. Game two, I think it was a fairly similar story. The draft looked kind of similar. You had impact on Nara again. Sven Skarin took the Olaf. Core JJ picked up Thresh. Santorin was on the Udyr again. You even had Alfari playing Jace again. So it's fairly similar. The difference is definitely played Jin this time. Ignar was on Alistar. Jizuke picked up the Echo, which I actually really like his Echo. Echo was interesting, yeah. I, I like that pick a lot. And he's shown, especially last year, that was one of his favorites. And he looked really good on it. And then for Liquid Tactical played the Callista. So you have that infamous Callista Thresh lane where just no one can die. And Jensen played the Azir. So another just hyperscaling late game mid carry. Yeah, this is just one of the safest lanes in the game for Core JJ and Tactical here. So the story for this game again was EG aggressive early. Looked like they were getting out to a lead in the mid game. They were up in kills slightly. They had two dragons. They were losing and everything else. So if you looked at towers, towers were in favor of liquid. If you looked at gold, gold was in favor of liquid. So it was a very misleading scoreboard. Yeah. And I think even if you were just watching the game, unless you were really thinking about it, it looked like EG was up slightly. I agree. It it really was the case of EG was doing a really good job of, of getting picks and getting to those dragons. But on the other hand, Liquid was able to counter a lot of those picks and get like at least one or two back on them. And any like I noticed in this game, anytime EG was taking a dragon, Liquid was taking a tower. (laughs) Yeah, there there was no free objective available. It was always a trade for something. Yeah. And uh, I mean, overall, like Santorin looked really good on Udyr through these games, 3-1 and 10 this time. Jensen had another really good performance playing the Azir. He was 3-0-5. Alfari has looked really good on this Jace. I like this pick for him. He was 2-1-7 here. 
And Corjeje was just a menace again on this threat. This is another case of Teal like slowly trading back. Like if you look at the kills, it's like EG favor, slightly less in EG favor, TL favor, and then just like TL explodes in one fight and, and EG's just out of it. Yeah. It, it, it's like one fight, go to Baron, take two towers, go to Dragon, take two more towers, inhibitors down, we have control. What are you going to do? Right? Like they just instantly get like five to seven K gold. And that's very much TL style, I think. And then looking at uh, game three, the final game for this series, this was so one-sided. Yeah, th- this was this was very similar to the way C9 ended out their series. The liquid just looked so dominant. Going down the scoreboard, you have Tactical on Kaisa going 8-3 and 6. Santorin played the Lilia this time, went 6-0 and 14. Had a 20, or participation 20 kills out of 30. Core JJ. 1516 on the rel. Jensen played Oriana again. Jensen was insane this game. He was 10, 1, and 12. And Alfari played the NAR this time, looked really good on it, went 5, 1, and 9. But if you look at this game closely again, you will see at 12 minutes, EG is up two dragons and 5 1. They're just not able to hold and pressure on these early leads. If they can convert, they're golden. They have no problem getting the lead. It's just holding the lead. It almost feels like they they get ahead and they know they're ahead. So they start just taking like any fight they can. But that's just not smart, (laughs) especially when you're against a very good team in Team Liquid. And that's the thing. If they can dial back the aggression, if if they can hit 10 minutes and say like, okay, let's pause. Let's look. We're up 2K or whatever, right? The kills are in our favor. Let's pressure objectives in a smart way with our advantage now, which is what you see TL doing all the time. TL has an advantage. They drop red wards. They get vision. There's like almost no room for error from TL once they get that advantage. If EG can dial that in just a little bit, they will be like a top three team. No problem. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but in the in this tournament, they're looking very unrefined, and uh, you can't you can't look that way against TL. They just make them pay too much. Yeah, again, Jazuke played Rise. I, I I'm not sold on this pick. I don't like it. I think mid laners should be trying to go for other things. One big thing that I wanted to also highlight for TL though is this Rel and Oriana combo, because this is. The Wombo potential here is insane. You have Core JJ on the rel who jumps in, pulls in three, four members of the enemy team on average. He's looked great on this champion. And then Jensen just puts the ball on his head and presses R and everyone's dead. Yep. Big Wombo also pulls in for the uh, Lilia abilities, which are in an area. And then it's just sleepy time. Nar ult like that. This really is a good a well-designed team fight comp. It's a really, really strong comp. Really strong uh like mid to late game fights yep and then last series the finals yes yeah, so, so going into this series if you watched friday and saturday you're just kind of expecting tl to win yeah like cloud nine looked so raw against hundred thieves in those first two games if you watched the last game of each series inside a vacuum you would be expecting an awesome bloody brawly series where it could go either way but but looking at three games to five games and just the way both teams handled themselves inside the games, huge favorite is TL. So in game one, I mean, overall, Cloud9 just didn't play well. You had Fudge on Camille, who went 2-2-1. Two, two and one. He lost lean again to a Jax, which is, I mean, Jax is kind of tough, but overall, Camille is supposed to come out on top of that matchup. Perks on TF went 0, 2, and 3. He was getting shut down at every turn. He was kind of pressing R on cooldown. Like, it wasn't exactly to that point, but anytime he thought he had an opportunity, he would alt, which is, I think, good to do because it puts pressure on the other team, even just seeing that eyeball pop up over your head. But he he wasn't able to do anything with it. There, there was almost no playmaking coming from the TF that game. And... There was one part that stuck out to me where Perks tried to alt top early on in the game. I think it was actually his first alt. And 
you see it coming in and it's like, oh, okay, C9 get first blood. They're going to be able to pressure and hopefully grow a lead from here. And then suddenly TF alt is just gone. And it's like, wait, what, what happened? Where did he go? What happened to this backup? And on the replay, you see on the, uh, like by mid lane, Perks walks out of lane, goes into his jungle to get in range to alt top. And Santorin is right there on, on the Talia and cancels it with his W. That's really high, high level play to, to have the awareness to do that. Yeah, honestly, I think that's the point where Cloud9 lost that game was that very first. Uh, it, it may have been the second. I may be misremembering, but that first or second TF alt just amounting to nothing. That was such a huge momentum swing for Liquid overall. And those global cooldowns are so big. You really do have to make them count and you really do have to kind of glean an advantage from every single one if you want to play effectively. 100%. And then another thing that actually set C9 behind is level one. Vulcan on the set flashes in on tactical, gets the E stun with the minions, but tactical just cleanses it and walks away. And now you've traded a flash for a cleanse, which is not worth it at all. And then from there, Vulcan just had to play so far back because he doesn't have flash. Yeah, you really have to measure your flashes. Uh, I think we see this a lot out of set players too. I remember in group stage, we also saw a set blow flash. And when you're playing set support and you don't have that flash, you just get bullied so much because you don't have an escape. Like really, I think the big thing is just that like you, it's such a big misplay from Vulcan because normally I would be okay with it. Like even trading flash for flash, like a support flash for an ADC flash, I think most of the time is, is well worth it. But tactical has the cleanse. Like I, he just presses cleanse and walks away. I don't know what else Vulcan was expecting there. Nine times out of 10, that's what happens. And then off of that, TL get a huge early advantage. They're up 6-2 at one point. C9 come back in kills. But TL in this first game are, are just able to sort of methodically get a one kill lead, two kill lead, three kill lead, and just kind of balloon it from there. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of Vulcan on, on set this game, especially after that level one misplay. And I, I think, honestly, a big result of that was Core JJ was just unlocked. Vulcan doesn't have flash, so the Zaya is super safe, even if he's by himself, because he still has flash. Cleanses on a much shorter cooldown as well, and it, it lets Corjaja just roam and make plays, and he went 1-1-9 on the Leona. Which is really a scoreline you expect to see from Corjaja in every game. And he's brought out this Leona so many times, too. Like It is. We've yeah. seen this a ton in this He looks really tournament. good on it. Yeah, I think he's, he's shown as one of the best Leonas Game two, my first note, uh, what a surprise. They give Fudge a counterpick and he still loses lane. They they try and give Fudge a support champ again. They put him on the Karma this time, which is also pretty strong right now. He's against Alfari's Nar, and it, it looked like a diamond player up against a challenger player. Yeah, now overall, th this is another double support comp. And really, I just, I, I'm not a fan of it right now from C9. I just, I don't know if it's something in particular about the way they're playing it. I don't know if it's fudge inside a vacuum in the top lane. Something just is off. They, they don't quite manage it. Yeah, it, it didn't look very good. Blabber played Olaf this time. And overall, he looked really good. He went 5-3-3. Three, and three. There was even a point where Sven got caught. I think he died or he was at least like chunked out and blabber on olaf just comes in behind and runs in 1v4 against team liquid and gets two kills before he dies which is really what you want to see olaf do you want to see him head for the back line grab those kills right like that's him playing exactly how you're supposed to and i, I was watching a lot of double ifs co-stream through this and uh we've talked about blabber getting praise from really good players before Double lift said that Blabber is the best Olaf he's ever seen because he this dude he doesn't miss axes. Really, overall as a jungler, I've just been super impressed with him so far. Uh, his kindred looks good. Like I said, I, I think he is probably the the best jungler in North America right now as far as uh, mechanics and just game knowledge goes. He's insane. It's also just looked very difficult to ban him out effectively. You know, he's got. Olaf, he's got Udir, he's got Kindred. Right there, you've got three that he's just deadly on. He's looked right? pretty good on Lilia and Talia as well at times. 
So you yep. have to worry about those a little bit as well when they're strong like they are right now. He's got, yeah, he's got a deep pool. My one other main note for this game, because it, I, I mean, when it comes down to it, it TL just stomped again. It, it, C9 did not have a good game. Blabber was the only one that really looked good. Perks. Perks, my man. If somehow you're listening to this podcast, don't face check a bush after you just saw a pink ward. It was like 20 minutes into the game or something. It was probably more around 25, actually. Liquid is setting up for Baron, and they have Core JJ on Blitzcrank, and I believe it was Jensen on the Azir, sitting in that bush right between like mid lane and the blue buff, right in that choke that takes you to the Baron pit. You have Core JJ and Jensen sitting in that bush. Earlier, they had put a pink ward in the forward brush that's kind of between mid lane and wolves there, and perks on LeBlanc has Sweeper, starts walking up, activates Sweeper, sees that there's a pink ward in the bush, walks right past it, gets Blitz hooked, and instantly dies. And he is like a full screen ahead of his team there as well. No tanks around, no CC to help him. If he gets caught by an ability, they can blow him up. It was in, like, I, Perks, you're such a good player. You're such a smart player. You are one of the best mid laners that the West has seen. What are you doing, man? This was, that play was so frustrating as a Cloud9 fan to watch. And then from there, easy Baron for TL. You can't give them Baron. They take Baron. They take Towers. They balloon their gold lead. They, they, take inhibs they close it, it's very simple it's very straightforward yeah they they just play really really well with the lead so c9 once again goes down 2-0 and once again <laughs> c9 twitter activates well congrats on winning finals tl no way c9 come back from an 0-2 they really th- their branding and their social media presence is so i love good. this team <laughs> Okay, so moving into game three, Perks gets caught two times early. Perks is playing the Zoe, and they do apply a lot of pressure mid lane. They send Graves there constantly, and Syndra has stun. So it, it it's a lot to dodge. There, there's the AoE slow from Graves, there's the stun from Syndra. Uh, it is a lot to dodge. Yeah, I think overall he was just playing too far up. I know... But he dies twice. One of those deaths... I don't really put the blame on him because he was playing pretty far up, but they had a pink ward in the top side, like that that small river bush that a pink ward there, but it it was more towards the top side of the bush, which means there's an ever so slight gap where champions can sneak in to the actual like mid lane bush there on the top side without being seen. And I, I would be I, I, I didn't go back and watch the VOD, but I would be very, very surprised if Perks put that ward because that's something that again, I was watching double lift stream and he said that that was something that Bjergsen and Jensen would both get pissed at his teammates for doing. You have to put that you have if you're putting a ward in that bush, you have to put it more towards the mid lane because then you can actually see that choke and that small little gap where champs can sneak through otherwise. And that's exactly what happens. So I don't fully blame that on him because I think he thought he had vision and thought he was safe. But whoever put that ward kind of screwed him over. <laughs> and then also this game, we have Fudge on Malphite. And I really like Fudge on a simple tank like this. I think this is his strong point. That's my first note. Finally, Fudge is on a bright dead champ where all he has to do is press R. <laughs> Malphite is one of those champs where it really doesn't matter if you fall behind in lane at all. He he does well on very little gold because he, he's just so innately tanky, even without uh like even when he's behind items, he's still a big beefy boy. And really all you need to do on that champion is just press R when a bunch of the enemy is around. And really looking at TL's side, you've got Thresh. Aphelios, Syndra, Graves, Gangplank. 
there's no huge mobility there other than Thresh Lantern. There's no mobility and there's very, very little hard CC as well. So really, if Melf wants to go in, Melf is getting to that back line. One thing is Fudge, Fudge, try, I give him credit. He tried his best to fuck up this champ. There's one point where he flash ulted one person and I'm sorry, but that that's not worth a fudge. <laughs> don't blow your don't blow your flash if you're just catching one person. If you're catching two, three people, go for it, buddy. But man, he he tried to fuck it up. <laughs> but overall, I mean, C9 just coming out with more CC. You know, you, you've got the alt from Fudge, you've got the sleep from Zoe, you've got the root from Senna. Uh, so a lot more CC abilities that when they land are just going to lock someone up. Olaf's going to run at them. Senna snipes them from uh, half a screen away, you know? Yeah, Bla Blabber looked really good on the Olaf, as he always does. He was 3-1-6. and six. If I remember correctly, too, he just dominated Santorin in the jungle. Like, he was running circles around Santorin through this game as far as, like, clearing jungle goes. He was just so much more efficient than Santorin. Santorin was getting the early kills, though. That that's the big difference, right? Like Santorin was up two zero off of the mid pressure on onto Zoe. Yeah, but Blabber was keeping up just through power farming on Olaf, which is something Olaf is very strong. And then you had the the Zvena again, which looked really good. He was four zero ten. Love that name for it. <laughs> and honestly, like Vulcan looks really good on this Tom Kench as well. I I, I enjoy this fasting Senna bot lane for Cloud Nine. I think they play it really well overall. Obviously, we've seen it struggle. That's what they played in, in game two, and it didn't look very good. But overall, I, I like this this combo for for their bot lane. Yeah, uh, Doublelift was touching on this too. It, it's just, it's such a pain to play against. There's just not a lot you can do. You can't poke them down because of uh, Svenna. God, you, you have me calling. <laughs> I, I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> It's Senna. Senna has this, this sustain. <laughs> it, it's not pilot specific. God damn it. Why do you do that? Jesus Christ. Okay, whatever. But but yeah, you have the sustain, you have the safety, and you have the range too, right? Like like even even base range on Senna is just really long. Yeah, and again, it's just uh, it was something Doublelift was touching on. There, you can't put a price tag on getting extra range because there's literally no items that give you consistent extra range. It's just so so strong. Yeah, I don't really have anything else for this game. I mean, C9 had a go button, but that that was it. Yeah, and and Liquid didn't. Moving into game four, I was I was so so incredibly nervous coming out of this draft because they put Fudge on Irelia, and Irelia is one of like the most skill intensive top laners that there is right now, in my opinion. But at ten minutes, C9 take a fight in the top side river. TL is grouped up and Fudge gets a massive, massive Irelia ult into full stun into everyone on TL is just dead. Yeah, he got a double kill there. It was really nice. It was one of the nicest Irelia plays I've seen in quite a while. And it just looked like a different player. And he actually won lane too. Like it, it wasn't just that fight. He was actually up in CS pretty much the, I, I think the entire game actually on Alfari's Nar. He, he actually played well. It was so surprising to see. One of my other notes is Vulcan played the Leona. I'm not huge on Vulcan's Leona. I, he's okay with it. I, I'm not big on this pick for him. I, I like Leona overall. But it's hard too because they could be taking it just to take it away from core because we know how good core is on it. But at the same time, core JJ's champion pool is so diverse, right? Like he showed Blitzcrank this weekend. His Thresh was really good. His Rel is really good. We know he can play Disengage champions, right? He can play Alistar if he wants to. It, it's just hard. It, it's just hard to really pick around him. So it's, it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't type things. Blabber looks really good on the Udyr again. He was 5-2 and 9 again, just running circles around Santorin in the jungle. And then Sven got the Kaisa. And we, we know what happens when he gets this champion. He was 9-1 and 5. He was really the big uh the big carry for this team. And in this game, there was really a huge expression of skill out of the expected carries for C9. There was a dragon fight and 
C9 went down, so they were three TL members to two C9 members, and it was Perks and Zven, and they just cleaned this fight up. Yeah, Zven managed to position well enough that despite Blabber, Vulcan, and Fudge all dying, he was still pretty much at full health after that. So he was set up to really just kind of pop off and clean up that fight with Perks. It, it was really nicely done. It was very well played by by the two of them. They use every ability. TF ults in with gold card, gets the stun, immediately Zanya's. Kais is able to follow it up. It, it just it looked beautiful. Like It looked like one of those textbook example plays of what high-level play should look like, and they, they, they just executed it perfectly. And, and I think that was a pretty good demonstration of the potential synergy we can see between Perks and Zven being former teammates. Uh, just ha- having the communication to be able to pull that off uh, so cleanly. And then the other main thing for this game is Tactical tried really hard to carry. Tactical played really, really well in the Samira. He went 9-3-1. and one. He did have one pretty big misplay where he kind of just dived straight into the Leona <laughs> and, and tried to ult in Leona's face. But Leona is one of the highest CC supports in the game. So... Obviously, that didn't work out. Overall, though, aside from that that one misplay, he looked really clean on it. Uh, we, we've seen TL really favor the Samira. They really like playing it with the Leona. So again, that could have been a reason that Vulcan picked it up here. But he, he looked great. Yeah. And then uh, we already touched on this, but Blabberfish just running around on the Olaf, giving people the big old bear slaps. Every team fight, his, his movement in team fights was really good. Where he just like, run at someone, slap them, someone tries to CC or save him, no, you get a bear slap, you get a bear slap. Like, like he, the the constant layering of stuns was just so huge. And the movement. Yeah, he, he, he's looked very clean on this champion so far. He seems to know how to play it pretty well. And then the last game. Yeah, so... Uh, my, my very first note here is that Blabber is not playing a run-fast, eat-ass champ. That's uh, that, that's an interesting way to put it. He is not on the Olaf or the Udir. Got him on Talia. So Olaf is banned and Udir is first picked away. And I think that's really, really smart draft from Liquid. I think that's great drafting, absolutely. And then they put Fudge in the same position as Game 4 where he looked really good, put him on Aurelia, and he loses the game level 1 for his team. Yeah, and it's so frustrating too because for a while they were hovering the Malphite again. And honestly, I think this game would have gone so much differently if they locked that in instead of this Irelia. Very inclined to agree with you. So to sum it up, Fudge takes a bad trade level one, is down in HP to the Gangplank, who has a spammable Q ability that also heals him. So he was harassing Irelia at range. Yeah, because he, he had the grasp of the undying. And then Fudge just gets dove, gets taken off of creeps, TPs back, gets dove again, and he's down 0-2 to someone with spammable abilities. Uh, TL goes 4-0, 5-0, 5-1, 6-1. They're taking tier 2s. It's before 20 minutes, like... It was a disaster. It was a total disaster. It it really was. It was such a stomp. And one thing that I noticed, I, I'm not sure the exact time on it, but Blabber didn't really do anything for, I want to say the first like 15 minutes. He was like zero, zero, zero. He just had zero presence on the map aside from farming. Most farm in the game for C9. He, he had higher farm at 17 minutes than the ADC did. I understand that Talia has really fast clear, and it, it's if you don't think that you're able to uh, successfully counter gank and stuff, then obviously you want to try and get what you can, and getting a CS lead is, is one way to try and get gold back. But, I mean, Santorin was just everywhere on the map. He was 6, 0, and 11. On, on the Udir. He was running fast and eating ass, and you were doing nothing. I think that this comes back to top lane, though. Like, it really is a difficult spot for the jungler, because you have one of two options. You either try to salvage top lane by counter ganking, 
or you try to proactively make a cross map play in the bottom lane. And if we look, Nautilus is very hard to dive. If you're 2v2, you need to bring at least four into that lane. Also, Samira has the mobile wind wall, so any sort of skill shot stun is just not hitting if they're playing properly. So really... And and I gotta say, Vulcan didn't look great on the Leona this game either. I, I think it's a hard matchup for Leona. It's good into Nautilus. Le- Leona into Nautilus is a counter pick. But the lanes in a vacuum, like... And, and Samira was up in farm on top of that. Court JJ very early on as well made a roam to top lane. And even despite Court JJ not being there, somehow TL's bot lane still had a CS lead. Yeah, and then TL is just he is knocking down inhib towers before 20 minutes. Overall, it was a super, super clean, well-played game from TL. Like I'm sorry to say... After after a good back and forth series, this game just looked like a stomp. Yeah, it was it was insane. It was so it was just a total stomp. It was so frustrating and so hard to watch as a C9 fan. And I, I think I, I think come regular season, if Fudge continues to perform how he did through this lock in tournament, I think they seriously need to consider looking for a different top laner. Because, I mean, a lot of these games, Cloud9 was just playing 4v5. Yeah. You know, it, it's less visible in a lot of the other games, uh, but it's still there, where Fudge is falling behind consistently. It's just kind of exacerbated in this game because it's so visible and it's the focal point of the entire loss, right? Like, it happens so early that the lead is just insurmountable immediately. Yeah, it, it was really rough for, for Cloud9. They just, they really didn't do anything i will say credit to cloud nine as teammates Uh, obviously fudge was getting some hate for his play online immediately after on social media and a couple of his teammates tweeted out like hey you know like fudge had a rough series but stop flaming him you know like yeah he he is better than this he had a rough game we all do so you know that that, that's good camaraderie coming out that's uh Mm -hmm. i think it was perks but yeah that tweeted so so that that's good leadership within the team you know i really respect players a lot for doing that and defending their their players especially after a tough loss definitely and i I did see on social media fudge was uh shouldering a lot of the blame saying that he he did said he he played really poorly and that like he he can do better i i really hope he can (laughs) i i know he's a very young player i i mean he's not even technically a rookie though because of his oceana experience and you know over the last couple of years, teams have really struggled to bring in consistent top lane talent, right? Like, like someday Hooney, good pickups, Impact, good good pickup. These are all older players. So these are yeah. older Korean players who proved themselves, played many years in LE, uh, LCK, and then came over to North America. Whereas the Oceanic players, right? If you look at Broken Blade, I think he was the best success story. But he wasn't like a top of the league carry measuring up to impact and, and someday. No, but he was still like very solid overall. Yeah, he, he was definitely consistent. He was definitely like a enough of a role player that it was th- there was a good balance among the team, especially a team with other threats. But at the same time, like these, these oceanic imports and in, inside the top lane seem to be struggling more so than their Korean counterparts. All right, so let's wrap this up with some predictions for next week, start of the LCS. Okay, I think TL is going to be top of the league. I don't know who, I I think C9 can take games off of them. I think inside a one-game series, EG has a chance at taking a game. I think 100 Thieves has a chance of taking a game as well. I, I would agree with that. Uh, but again, th- those are like, what what are looking like the top teams for North America right now? And and you could even throw TSM into that mix. I think they, they I think they were like as expected for me. They were very polarizing at times. They looked really really strong, and other times they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still just very unrefined, and I I think we saw that from quite a few teams, right? Like a lot of teams had their high points, but also had their low points. You know, we talked about EG with the good aggression, but then also the over aggression. C nine with their consistency issues. 100 Thieves with their consistency issues again, right? Getting reverse swept. But again, 100 Thieves is a very young team. 
right? Like a, a lot of the players have experience, but they are what you would consider younger players other than someday. So I, I, I just think that over time, we will see a lot of improvement. There is, to, to sum up the league and the top teams as a whole, and even the lower tier teams, there is a ton of room for improvement in this league. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm excited to see what happens, especially with some of the bottom teams. I'm, I'm excited to see like FlyQuest now that they have their whole roster together. I'm excited for Immortals to actually be playing with their LCS roster and not their Academy roster. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of a failed experiment. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think top four after first week, I, I don't think there's going to be any real surprises. C9, TL, 100 Thieves, EG, what we saw out of this tournament. I just think they're the best at clicking right now. I think other teams can get there. Yeah, for sure. I agree. But I don't know if it's going to be week one of LCS get there. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Corner. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Will Rolling On Air and on Twitter at Will Rolling Live. I also stream on twitch.tv slash the Mad Hatter. I spell it weird. Check the description if you want to check that out. Josh, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me most days streaming on Twitch at Snapcaster13. Thank you for listening and stay safe.